What's up, Atlanta sports fans? I'm Graham Waldrop, and alongside me, as always, is Adam. The Braves to win the NL East this week. Wow, and we are Atlanta's own. Two Atlanta natives recapping the big was with Atlanta professional sports. Well, I guess I just analysis. Adam, how's it going, sir? Graham, I am doing fantastic. You know, the Falcons did what they needed to do to keep me alert and, and alive, and alive we this do. week. I was really happy. That was the happiest I've ever, I think, I have seen you watching a Falcons game in probably four years. It would have just been so, so depressing to be 0-3. You react like we won a playoff. <laughs> you were squealing and What's the first game we've won in like 300 days? Oh, I know. What was it? Uh, November 29th? Yeah. Against Carolina last year is the last time we won a game. Can you blame me? No. no. But it was, it was just shocking. Like how I was just like. All right, we got a win. That's 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 good. That's progress, I guess. And I was like, ah, man, "Are you fucking serious? We won that damn coast the best kicker of all time." Right before Justin Tucker hit that sixty-six yarder for the Ravens. I don't know if I said he was the best kicker of all time, but he, he sure. was very clutch and uh, got it done. He did. So yeah, fantastic Sunday watching football with uh, you and uh, Alexa and Gabe Peacock. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, yeah, we got a big, big week in baseball, Graham. And I think we need to do our roots. And uh, apparently our, our only users that give us any feedback that was very negative. Very unfair. You, you, you could have just, like, let us know, hey, man, I'd appreciate some timestamps. Which we've been doing more recently. Yeah. But, you know, so, some people like to two-star you. But, you know, you are heard, sir. We are going to not only timestamp this episode, but start with the Braves, because I think the Braves are our base yes, for the most part. I would say so, despite the fact we are part of the Pigskin Podcast Network, a football network. Uh, you know, People like us uh, for our Braves coverage. Yeah, we, we, have, we have hot takes on the Braves. Apparently, unfiltered takes, according to Benny3333333, <laughs> who left us the aforementioned two-star review on Apple Podcasts. So, Betty, this episode is dedicated to you, my friend. Yes. And let's start with the Braves, Graham. As I said, it's a big week. So we went on to this huge West Coast swing. Uh, when we last saw you, I was disgusted about the loss of the Diamondbacks where your boy Jacob Webb blew the game. Yes. Although he had been pitching very well before that. He had been, but he, he blew that game. Sure. And, uh, but at the end of the day, Graham, we survived this stretch. We technically swept the series against the Padres. Huge. With the Phillies playing the crap teams they were playing, and then with us going out to the West Coast again, where we always struggle historically for the past 25-plus years, to come back two and a half games up is huge. And we have the opportunity, Graham, this week to just take care of business against the Phillies at home. Yes, Phillies series starts tomorrow. Today. Starts today. Son of a bitch. At about an hour and a half. Right, yeah. Phillies. So the first game will be in the books by the time you hear this podcast. But yeah. The biggest series of the year. Phillies are in second place, two and a half games behind us. We have our three horses going, and Morton, Freed, and Anderson. And I think we line up really well in this series. I think the Braves showed a lot in that weekend series against the Padres, particularly in the Saturday night game. Well, let, let's start with Friday night, because right, that, that obviously Friday. needs to be mentioned well, as yeah, well. This was, well, it was a 4 nothing win, and Max Freed oh, yeah. is just a complete hoss. Uh, Another complete game shutout, less than 100 pitches thrown, which is called a Maddox, and he's the first Brave to throw two Maddox games. So that's complete game shutout, less than 100 pitches since when, Graham? Who was the last Braves pitcher to do that more than once in a year? Probably Greg Maddox. 
Greg Maddox is your final answer? Yeah, I'm sure that's wrong. Oh, it's wrong, Graham. Yeah. It was Shelby Miller, actually. Shelby Miller, get the hell out of here. 2015, Shelby oh, Miller who netted us. Unicorn uh, year, yeah. Dansby Swanson. So, uh, yeah, I mean, he, he was just, you could just tell from the get-go he was locked in, and uh, it was just such a big game after losing that first game, the makeup game. So for free to come in and just shut it down, like he's just been an absolute pure, pure, pure ace the last, I don't know, two months, I guess, ever since he came back from that second injury. Yeah, he's been a completely different different uh, pitcher since then. I mean, he had the first one against the Orioles, which while impressive, you're like, it's the fucking Orioles, you know. And then to do this against the Padres, who technically, I guess, still aren't dead in the playoffs, but considerably, objectively, have a much better lineup than the Orioles. I think the Padres have been out of it for a while now. No, I think they're like five games back. They have to like win all their games. A lot of shit would have to happen for them to get in the playoffs. They might be eliminated by this point. I don't know. The point is, Adam, their lineup <laughs> compared to the Orioles lineup, it's actually a major league caliber lineup. Well, and the, the atmosphere was a playoff-esque atmosphere at Petco the entire weekend because I think people bought tickets to that game a while ago when the Padres were actually good earlier this year. Uh, our San Diego correspondent, Hugo, is probably screaming right now, listening to you just, you know, say the Padres are still in the race where I think they've been out of it for a while. No, they haven't been out of it for... That's, that's ridiculous. Are, are I'm gonna, you going to look it up? I want to look it up because I uh, I believe they are still technically alive. Oh, no, they're not. Okay. They are eliminated. <laughs> when they were eliminated, I don't know, though. It hasn't been a while. What's their record? Their record is 78 and 78. Okay. Okay, yeah, so they're eliminated. I was wrong. But you know what, Adam? They're nine games back, which tells me that, you know, maybe they would have stayed alive had the Cardinals decided to actually lose a game for the first time in like three weeks. The Cardinals won 16 games in a row. It's, it's absolutely obscene. Yeah, it's, it's a pretty fascinating last week of baseball, especially in the National League, where you've got two teams in the Giants and the Dodgers who are both over 100 wins. They're, they're going to be at like 100 under two, under three wins. And they're both still battling to try to get that first place in the West. I think the Giants are two games up on the Dodgers right now, but they just lost Brandon Belt, their starting first baseman. He broke his hand earlier this week, uh, bunting, which sucks. And uh, then you've got whoever loses that uh, NL West chase has to play the freaking Cardinals in a one-game playoff who no won 16 games in a row. No one wants to do that. Oh, my God. That's brutal. And then in the NL East, you still have the Braves and Phillies very much battling it out. Like, us winning that game Sunday was crucial because if, like, we came into this series only up a game and a half, that's a completely different story. Well, it could have been a half game, too. I mean, that Saturday game you could have easily lost. Sure. Sunday game you could have easily and lost. And thank you to the Pirates for managing to win one game. They you know, blew the other two. Pirates and Orioles each managed to win one game, which was all we needed to, like, keep this. It's the ball's in our court. It's not comfortable, but I'm not, like, on the verge of puking and just angry all week. So that's that's a good sign, that's Graham. progress. So I just want to touch back on Max Freed for a second. So... August and September. August, he has a 1.36 ERA. September, a 1.59 ERA. In both those months combined, he struck out 58 batters and has only walked nine and only given up 11 runs and like 10 starts. Um, Guy's been phenomenal. So my question now to you is, do you think Freed should get, if we make the playoffs, should get the game one start for Morton. Because I've been advocating for Morton. You know, he's been more consistent all year, blah, blah, blah. He's also got the postseason history. But Freed's been pitching like 
uh, like there's no tomorrow. He's been, you know, vintage Bumgarner kind of stuff. So, and he also has good postseason experience. So who's your, who would be your game one starter at this time? At this point, I mean, those numbers you just read out are just absolutely ridiculous. Uh, so at this point, I would go with Freed. Uh, you can't really go wrong either way, I don't think, but there's no doubt Freed has been pitching better recently. Uh, he also has postseason success, obviously not what Charlie Morton's done over the last five, six years, but he has some success and honestly, just like a little wild card, just like a, a bonus to put in there, his hitting. He's still hitting, what, like 320? So if you, if you get that bat in there right. twice right. as opposed to possibly just once, you know, it's just like some, something small, but I think it should be taken into account. Yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree. I think I'm kind of on Team Freed right now. Either way, you feel good about it. And I, and I also kind of like the idea of, obviously all of this is if we get to the playoffs, but I like the idea of if Freed doesn't get the job done in game one, feels pretty damn good having Charlie Morton coming out in game right. two as a stopper. Right, to try and salvage it. Yeah. Um, and then you you hope that you know Freed would be able to get his shit together for the next game via game four or five. I assume it would be game four at that point. So here's a... So here's where we come to this week against the Phillies. The one thing I'm really excited about, Adam, is that the division race is coming down to the wire. We haven't had one of these. I don't remember the last time we had one of these where it was like so close and there's some semblance of doubt. It's going to create this sort of excellent atmosphere of kind of almost postseason baseball, high intensity, every pitch matters, every play matters. You can't can't take your eyes off the television or if you're at the game, you can't take your eyes off the game. No checking your phone, no bullshit. You got to be locked in. Uh, as, I, as a fan, you got to be locked in. As a fan, this is as, a, this as, is a, our time to shine. This as is well. our time to shine. Yeah, you, you know, it's, it's not it's not really anything about the players. The players are going to do what they're going to do. As a fan, you've got you've got to show up and, and, and put your work in as well. You got to plan your week around all of these games. Of course, you know until it's clinched. Yeah, you can take a you can rest just like hopefully if we clinch, they're going to rest the starters for a day. You can take a day off, but until then. You got to be locked in. Yeah, it's pedal to the metal. It's like it's like what Freddie Freeman was saying about how there's no days off for for you know people who are uh, you know not injured. If if you have a functioning brain, you must be watching the bridge. Yeah, and I I agree with that. And I and I'd like to call myself out for not being a better fan Saturday night. Yes, very disappointed in you. So Graham and I we had some people over Saturday night for a little grill out, and I had it was just a laptop out with the game on it, and I was just getting so mad. After, what, the Machado Grand Slam? Machado Grand Slam. I think Snicker left Quasker in there a little too long. Quasker <laughs> had been s- struggling all night. Yeah. It was 3-3. Three to three. It was the fifth inning. Got two guys on, and the third guy gets on, and then predictably Machado just crushes this ball deep to left field. And was like, why did you leave him in that long? I don't understand. So I think I treated that game as if it was just one of 162, where I've tried to take this mentality this year to not let sports affect me personally and emotionally too much but now's the time where i gotta throw all that out the window and just like sit up there isolate with you be angry and scream into the darkness over a regular season baseball game i should have done that graham yeah and i apologize to you that i did not prioritize our team everybody was sauntering off to the, the your nice new little fire pit in the backyard everybody was being covid safe and whatnot i was like no i'm staying up here uh, in close proximity to like four other people, and I'm watching the rest of this game. Yeah, and 
Even though it's seven to three, I was like, I don't know. I just got this weird feeling that this game is not over. Well, because that, that's what this lineup is. Like this yeah. lineup is shades of last year's lineup. And really what we got in that series against the Giants was, you know, the big comeback. We're, da- we're down, what, you said 7-3. Mm-hmm. And you did not feel like we were out of it. No. And then, you know, Will Smith getting out of that ridiculous save situation on Sunday where he had three walks and three strikeouts, including walking the first two batters, but getting out of it. Like, that has been this year like in a microcosm. Yeah, and it was so just exciting watching, you know, especially after giving up that four spot, the Braves come around through a four spot the next inning. And I couldn't really believe it. I mean, I, I knew we could come back, but it came in such a flurry. And then Solaire, Solaire power with his three-run bomb. Eddie Rosario driving in the first run. I mean, it was, uh, it, was, it was a thrilling game. Goes to extra innings. We actually complete an extra inning win. I was like, what planet am I living on right now? I would run down to the fire and be like, oh, we're back in the game. And everyone's like, Bruh. And then you'd just be like, good job, Graham. Keep watching them. <laughs> I was like, why don't you come watch the game? It's like, oh, no, 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 no. Thanks no. for working out with yeah, me down so. there. I was doing that right. for my team. Graham. Right, right, right. And that lineup, I know we discussed it a little bit last week, but the lineup changeup that Snicker made a couple weeks ago. After he it, listened to the podcast. After he listened to the podcast is just huge. Yeah. With one, I mean, one through eight. You got Solaire, Freeman, Albies, Riley, Duvall, Rosario, Darno, Swanson. Swanson batting eighth with 27 homers. Yeah. Hopefully nice. about to get hot again. He's, he's, he's been playing a little better than he, the last week and a half, two weeks. So. I, but that, that is a sick lineup, and, like, the Phillies cannot compete with that this week. That's for no. damn sure. I, I think the Braves are riding high off that, that sweep of, of the Padres. I still am upset about Will Smith, Adam. We've been easier on him recently. He's still been kind of a nightmare. You, you were singing his praises Saturday after the Saturday game. We pitched well. I'm just saying overall, you look at the body of work of the last two months, it's been awful. It is what it is, Graham. Five ERA, getting guys on every freaking inning. We will, I guarantee right now, I'm going to say on the podcast, right now, if we go to the playoffs, he will blow at least one of these games. And I will be sitting here once again, bitching to the sky, saying, I told you so, Brian Snicker. I told you so. Why don't you make a move? I don't understand how you can say that guy gives you a better chance to close a game than Luke Jackson. I mean, Luke Jackson is the heir apparent, again, to be the closer. I can't remember saying that, but it's true. He's been our best closer, our best reliever all year. He deserves a shot. Will Smith is a disaster out there. Even when he gets out of it, it's like it's a nightmare. You can't survive in the playoffs like that. But, I mean, we've had, we've had this conversation literally for the last four months. It's been a minute since we've talked. I mean, it's been a few weeks. At, 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 at this point, for sure, you're not making a change the last week of the season because you don't know how Luke Jackson's going to respond. Should a, should a change have been made earlier? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But you're, you're, not, you're not making a change at this point, and Will Smith is going to be the same guy in the seventh inning that he is in the ninth. But the one thing that you do have to give him credit for is, like, that game on Sunday when everyone in the world – thinks there's no chance in hell he's getting out of that inning. He buckles down. Like, he certainly does have, like, that he is able to remain calm in those situations. Yeah, I mean, you give him that. And he, he yeah. gets out of more of them than he blows. You can say that much. Right, but he still gets into these scenarios that you just don't want your relievers getting into. Walking the first three guys and then striking out the next three guys, it's not sustainable. And we've seen that not be sustainable over the last couple months. Yeah, I mean, let's... I, I can't wait to see. Or no, I'm going to be terrified to see 
the first big game he's in, and probably this next couple days against Philly. But it is what it is, Graham. Yeah. I mean, we've got we've got Jackson in the seventh, Matzik in the eighth, Rodriguez in the sixth, who I think is starting to pitch a little better again. Yeah, and uh, who knows who you can rely on besides that? So Adam, do you have any predictions for this series? <laughs> do you Your just favorite ask, thing to talk about? Do you just ask me predictions as a joke at this point? Yes, I do. Just to pull your uh, pull your chain, pull your uh, back hairs. I would be very surprised if we don't win at least one of these games against the Phillies, Graham. I would be too. We certainly cannot get swept. If we get swept, we're in big trouble because then obviously the Phillies have have the lead. Yeah, that that that'd be bad news. I I just don't like the Phillies lineup. Can't touch ours, like I said. Uh, I mean, there are three st- these three starting pitches we're going against are good, but I don't I don't think they compare to our three studs we're throwing out there this week. The only guy that can is uh, is Wheeler. He's the only guy that. Oh yeah, Wheeler is very good. Yeah, yeah. Other than that, no, they're, they're good pitchers. Yeah, but but I, I just think our pitchers are collectively collectively yes, better. I agree. And um, our bullpen's actually deeper than theirs as well. Right. So. Yeah, I'm not concerned. I think it's it's time to shut the door. I, I think the Braves take two of three is my prediction. Take two of three, bury the Phillies. There you have it. Yeah, I could see losing this game against Wheeler. Yeah, I could too. Tonight. It's just, he's, he's, he's tough. He's found his form again. He did go through a stretch where he was not pitching well. He's striking a lot of guys. He's been going a ton of runs, a lot of home runs in particular. But he's looked a lot better. He's been kind of that shutdown ace kind of guy that they were hoping he you know, would continue to be from the beginning part of the year and uh, he's found his form he's been great all year he leads baseball in strikeouts he is a uh, he's a scary guy but um, overall yeah I'm not concerned about the series a couple players to watch out for in the series Adam Duvall has historically crushed the Phillies so I think he's gonna I mean I could see him hitting a couple bombs easy this series but guess what Bryce Harper is all time against Will Smith oh this ought to be good does he get just absolutely shut down by him? Take a guess. Uh, I'm going to say he is. He is. He's hitting like 122 with nine strikeouts. He is over 12 with three walks and six strikeouts all time against Will Smith. Wow. That's crazy. Will Smith's a lefty, right? He's a lefty. Bryce Harper sucks against <laughs> lefties. There you go. We've been talking about Will Smith for six months now, and you, you dropped the most basic question. I'm just saying. He's, a, at, he's a pitcher, too, Graham. Well, yeah, but he's also Bryce Harper historically struggles against left handed Right, right. It doesn't right. matter who it is. I'm, I could go out there. I'm a lefty. I'd probably get him out on a changeup uh, that was, you know, run in on his hands. I, I don't think that is true. We'll see. He would be a platoon player if he literally couldn't get a hit off of you, and he would only hit against righties. That's, That's not the case. No, no. Yeah. I'm saying maybe I can get him out once. No. 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 <laughs> no not even once. Like I've thrown a baseball for real in like 15 years. So yeah. The coach throwing batting practice throws probably about 15 miles an hour faster than you. Fair. If if you can locate one. I probably can't. <laughs> yeah. I'll probably just hit him because I hate him so yeah. much. Over 12 is a crazy number though, so you know maybe you feel a little better with Will Smith in this series. Ugh. No matter what, I will not feel great about it. It is a wild stat. Even when you feel good about him, that's that's where you get that's where I've gotten really screwed is when I start to feel confident with him. That's yeah, when he breaks my heart. The run. Giants series. The Giants series, yeah. the Nationals that Nationals game where you give up that home run to that guy hitting like oh eighty three or whatever yeah. it was the game. Yeah, first career home run. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 
So it'll be fun, Graham. Yeah, it should be a good series. And um, yeah, I think that concludes our Braves covers this week. All right, Adam. It's time for a word from our friends from DraftKings. For those of y'all who missed last week's episode, which seems like there were a considerable few, <laughs> we have uh, partnered with uh, the Pigskin Podcast Network. We were part of their network as the Falcons Podcast. And they, we have secured a nice little deal with DraftKings. Pigskin Podcast Network has. So we have a nice ad to read from our friends from DraftKings here for you if you guys are interested in that. Now's the time to listen up if you're a prospective new user because there's a nice offer here from DraftKings. That's right, Graham. Week three of football is now in the books after the Falcons getting a big win. So, you know, we're feeling a little better than we did after week two. And uh, now, if you didn't do it last week, now is definitely the time to review the tape and get ready for week four with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To kick off another action pack week, DraftKings is giving new customers $150 instantly, Graham. 150 clams. You know, I could go for that. Sure. <laughs> All they got to do is bet $1 on any football game. Listen up, because you don't want to miss this. So, head to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and place a bet of just one measly dollar on any Week 4 game to receive $150 in free bets instantly. Uh, Sportsbook's now available in your state. This might apply to a lot of you since we are an Atlanta sports <laughs> podcast. certainly applies to me. DraftKings still has huge cash prizes up for grabs all season long with their daily fantasy contest. I've been playing DraftKings for years. I have a ton of fun with it every year, NFL season, NBA season. It's a great time. Even if the sportsbook's not available and you can't gamble like a normal person, you can play the uh, just the normal DraftKings where you can build lineups. they got tons of different ways to do it. They have all these different sports, NFL, MLB, NBA's coming back soon. they got soccer. they got League of Legends. they got a, you know pretty much anything you can think of that is a sport. Soccer even, the world's favorite sport apparently. You can play that on DraftKings. If you know a lot about any of those sports, you have a good chance of winning, try it out. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code TPPN. That's TPPN. The Pigskin Podcast Network should receive $150 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any football game. That's promo code TPPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, Pennsylvania, only new customers, only minimum $5 deposit, $1 wager required, one per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem, question mark, call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Let's transition to the Falcons. Adam, we won a game. It's a miracle. You're damn On the road. You're damn right, Graham. On the road in the Meadowlands, the Giants clearly suck. But we went out there and beat them in their home court and our home court, home field. And Matt Ryan, for all you Matt Ryan haters out there, led his 40th career game winning drive. And it was eight or nine passing on that last drive as well, Graham. Granted, the only incompletion was a ball that went straight into the New York cornerback Adore Jackson's hands that uh, should have been a oh, game ending interception passing. in the end zone. Yeah. But, uh, you know, he dropped it. We certainly, it was not a pretty ball game, Graham. It was disgusting. But unlike in years past, we were the team that, you know, we came back in the fourth. We 
didn't blow it when it seemed like we would once Washington, Washington, I'm already, up, I'm already head to next week, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> Just, I mean, that's what you got to do. You can't, right. you, you can't live in the past, sure. but uh, no, once New York scored the touchdown to take the lead and made that ridiculous two point conversion where Daniel Jones truck sticked oh, Grady yeah. Jarrett of all people. Yeah, that made no like sense. in years past, that was the point where like, you know, our, it's done. Offense would go three and out. Yep. Uh, defense would come out and give up another touchdown, but that didn't happen. You know, offense went on a great drive after that, and they, they got they got the job done, Graham. So there's once again we saw some more progress this week. Yeah, I would say uh, defensively as well, much better effort from this group. Um, they were containing the Giants in the red zone. I think the Giants only scored one out of three times in the red zone. They also recorded five tackles for loss, which was fantastic, and. Uh, got they did not force we forced one turnover didn't we we got a, a fumble yeah we had a fumble that then did like nothing with it but. right but at least we you know we forced a turnover and we got two sacks uh, one from Grady which was absolutely brilliant to watch and Dante Fowler who looks really explosive this year uh, I've been very impressed with him getting off the line of scrimmage quickly getting around the tackle he's facing big sack he also had another uh, big tackle on Saquon Barkley. Um, you know, it's just really great to see him sort of take his humble pie, take that pay cut, and now he's coming out and proving that he's still a good player. I mean, it's just been night and day compared to last season. Yeah, I mean, last year he, he would, like, literally disappear, and we would not realize he was on the field for multiple games in a row. And, like, he's had moments each and every game so far and, and has been a force. The defense, you can see we've got a little something there, a lot more than anyone expected. And, and it's because of guys like – that we were not expecting Dante Fowler. And then also Isaiah Oliver. He has been fantastic out of the slot corner position. Yeah. He's much more comfortable there for sure. He had uh three passes defended this past week. He, huge. he was the highest rated defensive player, according to pro football focus for us with a 90.2 rating. So, <clears throat> you know, Dean Pease looked at him. They're like, obviously what they were doing with Isaiah Oliver before this year was not working, but they still thought he was a guy with talent, a guy with character that they liked. And they put him in the slot position, and it's made a world of difference. It's so weird, Adam. Usually, you know, you have your defensive strategy, and you just do the same thing over and over again, year after year after year, no adjustment. <laughs> and you just sort of, you know, just hope it works. It's a very odd thing to make adjustments year over year. I mean, I know it's a new, new, you know, new coaches and everything, but it just doesn't make sense to me for the Falcons. Very strange. Well, the biggest thing you can really do is if your coach is – you know, fire yourself as defensive coordinator and then hire a different defensive coordinator so you can then blame that guy for any defensive shortings and then rehire yourself as defensive coordinator. That's always a good strategy. Right, and then split defensive, uh, what was it, calling defensive plays between two people, um, first and second downs one guy and third downs another. Yeah. yeah. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. But actually, strategy. actually, like, trying to put players in positions to succeed after – seeing that something's not working, that's, that's madness. Well, the only time you do that is when you're out of the playoff race. It's when you can admit that, you know, things didn't go well, and then you can, you can actually, you know, say, okay, maybe we'll tool this up and, and save our jobs. Well, it's playing for next year, Grant. Playing for next year. Playing for next year. Yeah, that's what it's all That's about. when you make adjustments. That's right. when you try something different. Exactly. Once your fan base is humiliated at 0-7 and can barely even will themselves to turn the TV on on a Sunday at 1. Right. That's when you make yeah, changes. I don't understand what Dean Pease is doing. So yeah. No, we really like what Dean Pease is doing so far. Um, the effort in this defense is better. The tackling's better. The scheme is better. I'm, I'm liking that even though Pease is a, is a blitzing, a blitz-minded defensive coordinator, he's not going overboard with it. 
He's not like, all right, you know, like Madden engage eight every freaking play or anything. He's picking and choosing specific times to send blitzes, corner blitzes, which we never saw in Dan Quinn. Uh, some linebacker blitzes as well. Uh, you know, we've seen, um, you know, Deion Jones got a, got a sack last week against Brady um, or a couple weeks ago. You know, we're just seeing new things that we normally we just didn't see with that Dan Quinn regime. And so far, you know, and also just you look at how much better people are getting defensively. I mean, you know, we played the Eagles, we looked totally lost. Tampa Bay, we looked a lot better. This week, we looked a lot better. Obviously, you're going to look a little better against the New York Giants than you are against, you know, defending Super Bowl champions and the greatest quarterback that there ever was. You cannot deny the progress has been there on defense. And the offensive line has been much better blocking this, uh, you know, against the Giants as well. We're seeing progress, and we're finally seeing it. And the one thing that Coach Smith uh, commented on after the game is that he, he admitted it was an ugly, you know, half, first three quarters, really. But at the in the fourth quarter, when it mattered, all three phases of the football team stepped up and got the job done. The 14-play drive from the offense, defense getting stops, special teams. You know, they ran Cam Zyliak again. We'll learn how to say his last name one of these days. The punter. The punter who I was all ready to drop after last week's terrible performance. And we won the field position battle today, which is crucial. Yeah, a lot of good punts. A lot of punts that pinned the Giants within their 20, sometimes within their 10. It was uh, it was very refreshing to see after that disaster in Tampa Bay. Yeah, and, and he had he had also mentioned um, <clears throat> the importance of sticking with young guys after they struggle just to see how they respond. So he specifically mentioned Mayfield in week one. And since week one, where he had his 1.4 pass blocking grade, uh, week two was 31.8, and then week three, 73.2. Yeah. So like sticking with young guy, like this is, as we've said, it's not a Super Bowl team this year. No. Might as well let these young guys get after it this year. Right. So for the punter to struggle so much in week two, they throw him back out there. They sign the veteran just to like realize, hey, buddy, like this job isn't yours permanently. And he responded big time. That's that's great to see. Yeah. Another thing that's great to see is the discipline in terms of penalties. 12 penalties in week one, six penalties in week two, only four penalties in week three. So, you know, we're not seeing, you know, when we get in the red zone, we're not seeing, oh, man, there's an illegal formation or someone's jumping off the line, you know, or anything like that. Um, that that's, that's been really nice to see. Now let's talk about some negatives. Um, Matt still didn't get a ton of time, and I feel like Matt Ryan as a quarterback is a little broken. Um, it is just, he's, he's just got happy feet. The entire time he's 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 goes under center and he takes a snap. He's got happy feet. He doesn't really plant his feet. His feet are always moving around. He just slings it out really quick. Um, you look at the stat line and it looks decent. You know, 27, 36, 243, two touchdowns, zero picks. He very easily could have had three interceptions this week. Some of that's on, you know, the line's still not giving him a ton of time. But the protection was better this week than I think it's been over the course of the entire year so far. Um, and it just seems like the, I don't know if it's the receivers not getting open. I don't know if it's the play calling. I know Arthur Smith likes to run these sort of two receiver sets that don't really spread the, uh, the field out a ton. And I don't think it's really working right now in terms of getting the ball down the field. We're not seeing a lot of passes down the field. Matt's still only averaging 6.8, no, this week at least only averaging 6.8 yards per completion. I think it was even lower than that, um, you know, in the, in the weeks before. And, 
any big plays we do get seem to come from guys making plays on short passes. It's not like, oh, man, Matt made a really good you know, 15-, 20-yard pass there. It's like, let's dump it off. Corderell Patterson, the hero, the X-Factor, once again comes up huge, uh, especially on that last drive today. It just seems like, I don't know, this off- maybe it's not Matt's broken, but I feel like he hears ghosts now. Just all, all the times he's been hit, he's just always nervous about that, so he's just getting the ball out there. I don't know if it's just if it's that I, I or think, the offense or if it's a combination of everything. I don't know. I think it's more of a scheme thing where, you know, after week one, the disaster that that was, Arthur Smith realized, hey, with this offensive line, we cannot take deep shots. Like, yeah. so he has like, to get the ball out he has to He has to get the ball out quick. Which is, which is fine. And if, you know, especially with Gage being out this week, not many guys are going to be able to get open deep. Uh, in that amount of time, so it, maybe it, it is what it is right now until that offensive line gets a little more seasoned and hopefully continues to improve. Yeah, I mean there were some good plays though. I mean like the Lee Smith play for the touchdown was really nice. The Zacchaeus touchdown was beautiful. The way the offense was spread out and Zacchaeus found his way over the middle of the field. He had um, a couple great catches. The catch he had where he got absolutely decked and held onto it for a first down was unbelievable. Yeah. I like Zacchaeus. He's always been a solid little guy. But this is probably the best best pure game he's ever played. He's had those big plays before where he's caught, like, you know, one catch for, like, 80 yards and a touchdown. But he made huge plays uh, that either, you know, got a touchdown on, on a big red zone play or, you know, a, a critical converting a critical first down. So I was really impressed with Olamide last week. And the, the other big talking point from this last week was uh, Kyle Pitts only getting three targets, and he had, like, nothing until the fourth quarter. And he wasn't really – he wasn't in on that Lee Smith play, I don't think. Like, there are times in the red zone where he's not on the field, which I find odd. Yeah, so uh, Arthur Smith calls it a surface narrative to say that he wasn't a part of the game plan early. And it's, you know, it's more of a matter of that you got to take what the defense gives you. Sure, but and, also— And if they're double-teaming a lot and he's being shadowed constantly— Coach Smith commented about how it's great to see him come up with two of the biggest receptions of the game when it matters. Sure. So, you know, so, and this might change once you get Gage back, once everyone, I mean, because they're still learning this offense, you know? Yeah. Uh, he's still a 20 year old kid. So maybe our expectations were just a little too high no, coming it, into this season. Probably, but it's also weird that, I mean, I hear everything you just said or what you're regurgitating what Arthur Smith said, and I, I got it. But why isn't he on the field for red zone plays? He's got to be one of the best, you know, on paper, one of the better red zone players that you have on the roster. You mean why is he not on the field for every single red zone play? Yeah. I don't know. Like, there were time, like big plays when he's not on the field. It was just, it was strange to me. I was like, where is Kyle? I felt like John Gruden, where's my friend Kyle Pitts? I'd have to see the stats on that because I, do you actually know like the numbers for how many of those plays no, he I wasn't don't. on? I know there were like two or three where he wasn't there and I was like, well, why is he on the, I mean, it just doesn't make sense. Like passing plays, like, you know. Things like that. It's just weird. Yeah, I mean, with the Lee Smith play, maybe you, you get Lee Smith out there, it's pretty obvious that we're going to be running the ball. Right. So and that, then, yeah. yeah. So, no, I mean, I can understand that. Yeah. He also drew that big pass interference call. Um, it'll be interesting to see how Matt progresses and this offensive line progresses as time goes on. It's just weird, man. It's just weird watching Matt Ryan sort of devolve a little bit. I don't think it's all his fault, but he is not what he was, and I'm really starting to see that now more than ever. Um, and it's just, you know, we're all getting a little older, Adam. Yeah. I mean, I heard it's like our, our worst offensive start. I can't remember exactly what the metric was for it, but it was since the 2007 season. Yeah. So that would be the Joey Harrington season when he started. Yeah. So basically the worst start Matt Ryan has ever had. We're not scoring a lot of points. We've only scored 48 points through three games. 
know, we've given up 94. So, you know, part of that's, you know, two pick sixes and everything. But it's just, um, you know, the offense is in a dire need of, of, you know, the passing game, the running. Everything's just a little bit in dire need of, you know, continual progression. Uh, but Cordell Patterson, man, he's the X factor. Once again, leads the team in receiving 82 yards and six catches. Um also ran seven times for 20 yards. But, he, I mean, he, to me, he's more of the guy that you rely on as your gadget back, as someone who can go out and line up wide or in the slot. He, he was, he's so critical to this team. He's, he's their most important skill position player right now. Yeah, he, he's been really good as a receiver. Like, yeah. rushing, he's been pretty anemic, uh, minus the first the game. game. Yeah, the good. Eagles game, he yeah. did something. But, um, you know, he's reliant on really good blocking to get any yardage, whereas, like, Mike Smith... Not Mike Smith. Mike, <laughs> Mike Smith is uh, retired somewhere. Yeah, I don't think he'd be a very good running back now. Whereas, though, Mike Davis, he would get hit uh, like at the line of scrimmage and still make three yards out of it. Whereas yeah. with Patterson, if he gets hit at the line of scrimmage, that's it. Well, I also wonder why we weren't running Mike Davis a little bit more. Only 12 carries. I mean, there, remember that period in the third quarter where they handed the ball off to him like three or four times in a row and he got a couple first downs. He was getting like four or five yards a run. It was like... It just seemed like, especially in that first half, it was just pass, pass, pass. There was hardly ever any runs. Yeah, and and that's that's what I want to see is let's let's let him eat a little bit more. Yeah, definitely. You know, it was great that at the end of the game when we're driving to win it, that's where we're just handing the ball to him nonstop. Right. We're not messing around with passes that could end up being picked and blow the game for us. Yeah, we ran the ball, managed the clock, great, and got the game-winning field goal. Yeah, no, that last drive that was, was good. refreshing. Yeah, it was really nice. Um, it was it was like quintessential Matt Ryan to me watching that, even though it was still like, you know, he wasn't at his best, but he still did what he needed to do to get it done, set the team up to get the field goal, and Koo came through. But yeah, it's like, you know, 36 passes compared to 20 attempts uh, rushing. That's got to be evened out a little bit. And I feel like Mike Davis can carry that load. Um, and for all you people who may have uh, used Mike Davis in DraftKings or, uh, or started him in your fantasy lineups, I'm sorry. If it was based off my recommendation, I thought he was going to really smash that Giants uh, front seven. Didn't quite happen last week. First of all, Graham, I don't, I don't think anyone's taking your recommendation, so I don't, I don't, I don't think you need to feel too much guilt about that. But, uh, yeah, it's we certainly could have put a lot more points up on the Giants, but I am not going to complain about a win No, at all. Feels great to get it done. Hopefully this team, le- I mean, that's them learning how to win. So let's carry it on to the Washington football team, Graham. Yeah, let's talk about this game a little who, bit. Once again, we were ignored by our fellow Pigskin Podcast Network uh, affiliate, the Washington football team affiliate this week. So no preview show with the Washington football team. I know everybody's devastated about that, but we'll try to do our best at talking about the upcoming matchup. Well, here's what I got for you, Graham. They rank 31st in total defense, giving up 432 yards a game, and they're 30th in scoring defense giving up 30.7 points per game through three weeks. You know, the Bills' week three explosion obviously didn't help matters, but this was a defense that was really good last year. Got into the playoffs. Like, they were second in total defense and fourth in scoring defense last year. So they're not the, they don't appear to be the juggernaut that they were early on, like that we thought they would be. Right, especially on defense. Yeah. Like, I mean, offense, you know, they have solid players and Antonio Gibson at running back, scary Terry McLaurin at, at receiver, Taylor Henneke isn't too much to worry about as a quarterback. But, you know, their offense was decent enough to keep them competitive. The defense is really what put them over the top. And without a good defense, they're just not very good. So, But Chase Young's going to eat. Yes. Yes. I'm, I'm very concerned about him going up against, um, 
I hope it's going to be Jake Matthews. But even still, it doesn't really matter. He, he's going to get a, at least a sack, I will say. And Matt's probably going to get sacked a few times. But, I mean, I think we got a pretty good shot. At least it's at home. It's against a team that also just got their butts kicked, so they're not really riding any momentum. And it's a defense that's struggling a lot right now. Whereas, you know, say what you will about us, I feel like we're kind of the little engine that could right now in terms of we're not great. We have a bend-but-don't-break defense. We kind of have an offense that's kind of scattershot and doesn't really have an identity. But I think you see the unity in this team growing, and we still have guys that can do things on the offensive side of the ball. We still haven't seen the best of what Kyle Pitts can do. We haven't really seen a Calvin really breakout game yet. Um, he had a know. very bad game last week, Graham. We didn't talk about that. Yeah. But that play where he had... Oh, yeah, I could have gotten the first down. That was so bad. He looked like, out, man. He didn't want to take the contact. He did not run upfield. Let's set the stage here. It was a third down, right? Third down. It was like five yard, five, six-yard pass that he caught in space, give him an opportunity to go upfield and get the first down. Instead of going north, he goes west or east. I don't know. Either way, he goes, he goes horizontal and he should have gone vertical. And it seemed like he was afraid of getting hit because two guys were converging on him. That's how it looked to me. It looked like he was trying to shake them. Or anything like that. Look like I don't want to get hit. I'm just going to kind of go down. Yeah, and he's had a couple moments this year where you can see with his body language, he's not happy with the throws he's getting from Matt or whatever. But it's like if you get an opportunity like that to get a huge first down for your team, you got to run her down the field, man. Yeah, like he wasn't hungry for it. So that, that he had, he just had a bad game. Yeah, I mean brass tacks. Yeah, I mean when you when you should be a wide receiver one and you get outshone by. Corderell Patterson, who has a, just a head full of steam by like 22 yards. That's pathetic. And Corderell Patterson earned every freaking yard he got. He wasn't getting a lot of passes downfield. He was getting them around the line of scrimmage or like four or five yards ahead of the line of scrimmage. You know, this is a guy who was making it happen. Count really doesn't look like a guy that wants to make it happen right now. Yeah, and I, I think he'll get it going. We still have, we still have weapons on this team. Yeah, so no doubt. It's just, it is I, just concern. I've never seen Ridley be like that, though. He's always been a guy that seems to... You know, want to play and uh, he's kind of done. I feel like he's kind of done that dancing around every now and then. But I've never seen him like actively avoid contact. It like it wasn't like he was being shifty on this play. He right. was just like I'm. Don't want to get hit. That's how. It yeah. Well, me. he got lit up because of that. Right. How ironic. Yeah. Um, so I don't know, Graham. I'm feeling okay about this one as well. Yeah, Logan Thomas is another guy to consider on Washington. He's the tight end. He's pretty good. We, um, he's got two touchdowns. He leads the team in touchdowns this year. He's he's a guy that can pick on our our, our weak safety unit. Um, JD McKissick is another guy out of the backfield who's solid. Who's kind of backs up Antonio Gibson. He's their pass catching running back. He's already gotten seven catches for ninety eight yards this year as a guy who doesn't even see the field. He, you know he's not on the field that often. So um, I would say that you know Washington's got some good players. You know, like I mentioned. Terry McLaurin's a really good receiver. I mean, this is not going to be an easy game. But um, I think it'll be another one. You know, I think a lot of people are thinking this might have some sneaky shootout potential, and it, and it certainly could. But I think with the struggles of the offenses right now, I could see this being another 21-17, 17-14, 24-21, you know, a relatively low-scoring game. Yeah, I would certainly – I haven't seen what the over-under is, but I'd certainly take the under. Yes, um, I would too. I'm glad you mentioned Logan Thomas, Graham, because reminds me of so something else that came out of this game was Felipe Franks was activated, and Graham is 
his hands up in disbelief. He's rubbing his eyes now. Um, makes no sense. It makes a little bit of sense, actually. Please enlighten me. So he was activated, which I was like, why would we activate a quarterback? But they ended up getting him three snaps, and he had one at quarterback and two at tight end. And he's an athletic guy. So Logan Thomas was a quarterback at Virginia Tech, and now he's a tight end. So are they trying to maybe convert him into a tight end, fullback, something hybrid? Everyone's trying to find a Taysom Hill. And that's, I mean, Arthur Smith mentioned Taysom Hill in his press conference. He was like, look, uh, Felipe Franks is a talented football player. We think he can do more than just quarterback, so why not try him out? So I guess that makes more sense to have three quarterbacks on the roster than two running backs. I mean, have we needed more than two runs? We haven't. That's just been interesting to me. Like, I've never seen a team do that before. It's just really odd. Yeah. I'm sure it's not unprecedented, but it just seems rare. But, yeah, I mean, if he can be a guy that can contribute um, in a myriad of ways, I'm not against that. I'm just glad that there's some clarity to the plan because it's just that, seemed, that make, it it makes seemed a, ridiculous. It, it makes a lot more sense yeah, now. Yeah, because it was like, what's the context for this? What the hell are we trying to do? But, yeah, we, yeah you're right. We did see him on the field in multiple positions last week, so... Maybe that's something to watch out for in this game against Washington. Yeah, you remember Franks in the preseason, he had like that 45-yard rush. So, like, he's he's got it in him. Um, so, you know, in a team that the, the major argument would be, well, why, why are we trying to create another tight end when we have Kyle Pitts and he's not getting the looks? But, you know, it's like you got to be creative, I guess. And you can't just throw someone out there and say, you're going to do all this right now. You know, it's like, it's kind of like if you're going to try to do this hybrid bullshit with somebody, you got to sort of ease them into it. So I, I, I understand. Yeah. So something, something to keep an eye on as the yeah. year goes on. I'm to just see glad if, there's a purpose to it. I was like, this is some bullshit. Yeah. So it, 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 you know, as fans, we make snap judgments and the first judgment is that's dumb as shit. Right. But then like you hear, an intelligent person that has been in the game his entire life speak on why he made that decision. It's like, okay, that makes some sense, I suppose. Sure. But Graham, we're always going to instantly start with that dumbest shit. Yes, we are. Yeah. Especially when you've lived in Atlanta for as long as we have. It's part of trying to be a great fan, Graham. Yeah. You, you know? want to be involved in the decision making. You want to say in it. You feel like you have stake in the team, even if you don't, even if your stake is only emotional. That's fair. And like, just like anything in life, if, uh, Say one of our friends comes up with a, a decision or something to do. My gut instincts be that's dumb. Why would we do yeah, that? Why would you do that? Yeah. Let's do this instead. Yeah. So it's the the same deal. For sure. And you want to immediately, you know, not think about their perspective and just say you're foolish. No, admonish them. Admonish them. Yes. You know, say anything negative you can. Yeah. Try to convert them to your way of thinking. Right. Immediately. There's no discourse. No. 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 no there is discourse. You don't want any. You don't want. Discourse is what you really don't want. That's what you really don't want. You want unified. You want sheep. You want everybody to be doing the same thing that you do. Because you're thinking about it from your perspective. Right, right. No. Right. I just taught myself the definition of discourse there. Good work, Graham. Thank I, you. I was with you, and then I'm very confused. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. Well, Adam, I think that wraps up this little uh, episode of Atlanta Zen, unless you got anything else you want to touch on. I know Hawks Media Days was happening, but I don't really care about that stuff. No, the the only last two, uh, thing I got on the Falcons, Josh Andrews, uh, he's the guard that was going to be our starter, and Kendall Sheffield, and the cornerback yes, that so we could definitely use. They yeah. could return to practice as early as this week. Very good. Uh, AJ Terrell, I don't have an update on him. It, well, I I think it's possible he plays, but unlikely. 
That was another thing. Without AJ Terrell, that secondary looked good. So that's pretty damn good. One guy we didn't mention, TJ Green, had a good game. Yes, he had he, tackles, a couple of passes defended. Didn't let anybody get by him. He did a good job filling in, and uh, Michael Walker as well. He had a great pass deflection pl- playing him at the line. So I'd he like to see that more. So high into the air, it looked like he was going to touch the freaking sky to deflect that pass. Yeah, that's another thing too. This defense is getting their hands up when they can't get to the quarterback, which is highly refreshing to watch. So at, at the end of the day, it's just refreshing to like this is. They have slack from us now, you know? And, like, we just want to see progress each week. It's a new regime. Yeah. We're into it. It's not Dan Quinn's same bullshit. So, like, we can look for just, like, the little things like that. It's like TJ Green stepped in well, Michael Walker. They're getting their hands up. Whatever. Yeah. It's cool. We won a game without our top corner. Granted, they were missing Sterling Shepard, and they were missing some of their pieces as well. But, hey, that's football, man. Everybody deals with injuries. Exactly. The key word for this year is patience. 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 But I, I want this win too, Graham. Yeah, no. I want this should, win. We should be expected to be competitive and have a chance to win this game. Yep. This is the time if you're going to do anything this year, you got to take advantage of these games. This game's against New York, Washington, the other New York, and uh, the Jaguars, games like that, you got to, you know, really, you know, if you want to make a statement and actually, I'm not saying this team is going to go to the playoffs, I so don't expect them to, but if they really want to have a chance, you must win these games. All right. I think this episode is wrapped up. I want to thank you guys for listening. As always, please remember to download the episode from your preferred podcast uh, application, platform, what have you. That always helps us. And we will see you all again next week. Until then, rise up, chop on, unite and conquer, and remain true to Atlanta. Hospitality. Hospitality.